Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup here on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view of activity on the ground and to learn about new trends emerging. This show is sponsored by DAF.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Port Leash-based estate agent Clement Heron of Clement Heron Real Estate. Clement, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Carl. Delighted to share. Um, well, look, I'm. I'm. First of all, we have we have a list of things that we want to get through. Like like all problems, we think we can solve them in a day. But let's start by talking about the property market in Port Leash. We've had um, the DAF.ie and MyHome.ie reports, as well as some of the uh, state agents' commentary, have come out in the last month. How? What are you experiencing, and what are your buyers and sellers experiencing in the residential market in and around Port Leash? In Port Leash at the moment is a seller's market and there's a, a scarcity of secondhand properties on the market and new houses are quite expensive. They're expensive to build, so they're fitting into uh, some criteria. We were able to sell. We have three new developments on at the moment and we are running some of them through the affordable home scheme uh, in conjunction with Leash County Council. Some of them are private and most of them will get the um, help to buy scheme or there's another scheme there for them, first home scheme, that uh, buyers are able to engage in and get that money for them. So they're selling as quick as the builders can build them, we can sell them. Fantastic. Um, they're, they're going well. Typically, three bedroom and the terrace is 365,370, somewhere up around there, 1,300 square feet, A-rated, um, well-built. Um, there's a mix of ICF and a timber frame, um, super warm homes. They're all A-rated and the, the certification makes them all really, really good. You don't really have to check them with engineers afterwards because the certification is... It, it's easy. They're an easy sell. Very good. And tell me, who's buying right now? We've a lot of non-nationals buying at the moment. A lot of people in the in the medical trade. Um, Port Leash, we're lucky enough to be very, very central. Uh, you're an hour and a half from anywhere. Um, so people that will commute even to Limerick, Dublin, um, and they can be anywhere in an hour and a half from here. So, um, And a lot of Irish professionals as well. Uh, Irish. But you would have... Um, we say not. I'm not saying they're not Irish, but with of original Irish, um, you would have less. Um, probably thirty, forty percent of of our buyers are 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 coming from non-nationals, or just uh, just arrived here in the last six or seven years. Okay, yeah. and what proportion would be say mortgage buyers versus cash buyers? All the new homes uh, are uh, bar on the last scheme I did. I say well, maybe it was two out of sixty were cash what? buyers. The rest were, were cash. The rest were mortgage. Excellent. And in terms of the mortgage buyers, are they mainly, I mean, what we saw through the um, Irish Payments Federation data was that the majority of mortgage buyers in 2023, by a long shot, were first-time buyers. Is that a trend? Yeah, they're first-time first, first buyers, two professionals, generally in, in both in good jobs. I see even uh, uh, on the on the Times this morning saying that the number of people on over 100,000 now has grown by 50% this year and it's driving up property prices. I don't really agree with that. I think supply and demand uh, commands prices, but maybe it's making it easier for prices to go up. It's only a sideshow, really. I wouldn't consider it. As reported this morning, I wouldn't consider that to be a reason that prices go up. Prices are going up because uh, builders need a margin or else they're going to stay in bed. And they're not out to do anybody. They just want to build and have a margin between 10 and 15% is what they work on. And if they're not getting it, they might as well stay at home. 
Yeah. Well, unfortunately, yeah. we are aware of some who are not getting it and they're they're uh, tied into delivery for a whole host of reasons. But it's they're definitely not making a huge amount of money out of it. Um, and they're they're probably not making their 15 percent. And but just in terms of, uh, you know, it, it's amazing that you have three new homes developments on the go there, because actually when we like to speak to estate agencies right across um, the regions and we can see that there's such a shortage of new homes delivery. So it's amazing that you've got the three of them there. But in terms of the secondhand market, I mean, what's the marketplace in Port Leash like? They're very scarce at the moment. And this is the, probably the lowest level of secondhand homes I have ever had to offer the market. And I'm doing this almost 20 years, 18 years, I think I'm at this. And I'm going, oh, this is the, this really is the, the lowest I've seen it. Um ever you know the number of second hands coming in and second hand comes in if it's priced right it'll sell and amazingly if it's priced wrong it'll sit there because the buyers are clever they're switched on just because there's a scarcity they just don't they want they're price sensitive if it was priced right and the product is right they'll buy it and if it's not um they'll step back they're, it's a switched on marketplace. Uh, everybody knows exactly what they're doing. They understand their square footage. They understand their product. They understand their areas. They understand what they're doing. They're more educated. They're more switched on than ever before. You know, they're, they're not doing this. Oh, I'm just running and buying. Uh, there, there's no, there's no craziness. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm actually really delighted that you brought that up because it is something we touched on uh, towards uh, the latter part of last year. But it's something that's quite different to at other points in history where we saw that there was a shortage. And maybe, uh, you know, uh, about three or four years ago, when we started to see those reports of people queuing in the cars overnight when a new scheme was being launched, I really thought we were going to go back into that silly season of people just not understanding value and buying to the max of their mortgageable capacity, uh, which is not good for anybody. But I, I think you've absolutely nailed it there. The buyers are so savvy. They've been watching the market. They, I think they understand value. So it's not even around that, you know, they have their mortgage and they're, they're ready. They've been watching the market. Uh, they have the data. They understand what represents value. But what's interesting is that the secondhand homes, you would imagine that in an area like Port Leash, when you are seeing a greater supply of new properties coming to the market, that actually, unlike in other parts of the country that isn't seeing that, that, you know, maybe those who are in uh, existing homeowners who might be looking to trade up or down will be taking advantage of the new homes market. But that doesn't seem to be happening. What do you think is causing the shortage of secondhand properties coming to the market? Well, the new homes market is an advantage because generally speaking, the first time buyer is going to get their mm. 30,000 on it anyway. So they're looking at that. And I, 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 I'd be wrong to say it was built in because they're, they're, they're allowed to, it's given the builder a bit of a margin. Mm. The secondhand homes and my, my argument uh, and my, my thinking why the secondhand homes are going to remain strong and they're going to remain buoyant and they're going to increase year on year is because would we'll say for example I was selling to a local authority lately a house and I was selling it for two hundred and thirty thousand, and he said you're a bit too dear on that we'll we'll buy it at two ten I said I'm not selling it at that it won't not happen, and I said tell me do you think you could build it for it, and he said that's irrelevant I said no it's not, yeah why why would you go out and build new homes you're paying three hundred and ten thousand for new homes why are you refusing to buy one of the second hand for fifty thousand less do you know so but. But is that, also, because, is that because they're factoring in maybe even the the difference in terms of building performance? Would it take them more than 50,000 no, to get this to a standard? 
no, it wouldn't take them that, and they're that not that much uh, undervalued. It's that the um the guard and the school teacher have got their they saved up a bit of a deposit. They're now entitled to get the but some of their hard end tax back and proper order in the form of their first time buyer, not the first time buyers, but their help to buy scheme. They're going to get their twenty five or thirty thousand back. They won't get that if they go to a second hand. So they're only yeah. going to go to new house. Mm-hmm. The builders are going to sell them a new house if he's making a margin. So it's it's win win. But the second hand house is not that far behind. Yeah. It's by the the amount of money that they're getting, a lower amount of money. It's not that far behind. The second hand house is still a good buy, and if you know. I don't see them crashing is what I, what I would say. That That's my crystal ball. It's malfunctioned before. No? <laughs> hey, Clement, <laughs> I, do you know, despite being in this industry for nearly a quarter of a century, as was pointed out to me recently, a uh, quarter of a century is an awful long time. But actually, despite that time at heart, I'm still a farmer's daughter. So I always look at the secondhand homes and think they're usually in a better location, better positioned on larger sites, you know, and I'm, I I always see the potential there and think, why do buyers not see those? But I suppose what I'm curious about is uh, because you do have new homes in the in the Port Leash market. Why are those homeowners who do actually want to trade up and down? And and it, like for the reason people give for not being able to do that is because they want to stay in their community. But there's no new homes, smaller homes to trade down into. But obviously in Port Leash, that's not the case. So why are sellers? So when you're meeting sellers and they're asking you probably to price their home, but then they're not actually listing it. Why mm. are sellers not bringing their properties to the market now? Sometimes because they can't find something to buy is exactly they, they go out and they try. And uh, like I had a question. I live in Plain and Kildare. A guy rang me today and he said, I'm selling this apartment because I want to buy a house. He says, what do I do first? And I said, you do them both the same day. You execute both contracts the same day. That's what you do if you don't want to be exposed because the market goes up or the market goes down and I don't know which is going to happen. Off you go and buy. I'll go off. Off I go and I'll sell for you. I'll be crystal clear to anybody that's buying yours that you're buying subject. You're selling subject being able to buy something and get your contracts in and do it all in one go because it's always relative. Mm-hmm. Property's relative. Whereas if you sell your apartment and you want to sit on your 100000 the property starts spiking and going up. Your hundred thousands is losing value rapidly because mm. you don't have the same purchase power. But if you want to keep it relative, do it simultaneously. Yeah, you know, I I actually had uh, we were chatting to Pat David, uh, the CEO of IPAV, just in recent weeks, and we were just talking about um the impact of conveyancing delays on transactions, and that is particularly severe when you're talking about a chain where people need to sell and buy in the same day. And I feel like it's something in Ireland, as an industry, we don't do well. We haven't really cracked that nut. Okay, and and here's the reason we haven't cracked that nut is because we only realised that we have the problem when when this this guy, I spoke to him for the first time today, mm-hmm. and I said, no, this is, where you, this is how you need to tee this up, buddy. This is how you need to time this. Whereas if he had to come and, and say, right, I'm selling the apartment, which is what he wants to do, I always want to know when you sell an apartment, what's your motivation? Mm-hmm. So I want to buy. Okay, well, let's 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 work with this now and see what we what why you want to do that and how we're going to do that and how we're going to knit it all together. Because if you go to all the rounds and you sell his apartment and you deposit all done, he's ready to sign his contract. And he said, I haven't found anything. Um, 
Well, but you haven't found any. Well, why didn't you tell me? You know, because you sh- we should have. It's called their motivation when you're listening to us. What's your motivation? Why do, why do you want to sell this? If you want to downsize, if you found something to downsize, are you an ex- landlord? You're exiting the market. Your home has become too small. You need a bigger one. There's going to be a reason why you're selling, and mm. the reason why they're selling could be a, a could be a <clears throat> another opportunity to knit it together. But it's also an opportunity for what I call the double bubble. Maybe they buy and they sell, and you might mm. get both. Well and good. But it's also an opportunity and it's a mechanism to to ensure that you don't have fall throughs. Yeah. When when you operate that way and you you get the motivation and you tee it up right the first day, you're you're ten times less likely to have a fall through. But if you just plow straight in and woohoo and list the property on the market and get your BER and get all your viewings and on you go and you have all your offers and said, yeah, we've got your place sale agreed. And this guy's looking at you and going, oh, yeah. panic stations. And and that's not the conveyance's fault. That's, I would say, it's what I would call teen it up right day one. Yeah. What exactly is the motivation here? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get it? What's the end goal? You know, and if you know the end goal, you have a better idea. And you have more of a chance of concluding yeah. the transaction. Uh, look, you're absolutely right. And I think for people listening in today, that'll be very, unfortunately, that'll be too familiar for some of them. In fact, just before Christmas, we spoke to somebody who had just moved into their new home, but it had taken them maybe a year of a process because they had one or two false starts and their early fall throughs were because, and actually they were in the NACE area, uh, because there was so so uh, such a shortage of secondhand homes on the market that the homes they were trying to buy, the people who were selling them, um, they just they weren't confident of being able to follow through. But unfortunately, this particular buyer was also a homeowner. So not only was, uh, uh, you know, in the position of being a buyer trying to preserve the mortgage over an extended period of time while looking, they were also trying to manage the sale of their own home at the same time. So, yeah, it, it's a very tricky, it's a very tricky scenario. Doable, it is doable. It, it, you know, and once you would say, once you line it up the first day, and explain all the obstacles. These are the things that can go right and go wrong, and that we need mm. to be doing this. And as an agent, you should know uh, how long it's going to take to get the sale agreed. Now, tell me, where are your title documents? I, everything's grand. Everything's grand is not an answer. Have has your solicitor uh, taken? Have you signed an authority to take up deeds? I'm. I don't know. And you see, this is fine for us to say, you know, have you? But have you actually signed an authority? Are the deeds taken up? And then they will go, well, you need to go and do all these things before we all start wasting our well, time here. Uh, Clement, to- hopefully 2023 uh, um, is the last year that that's really a problem because at some point throughout 2024, we are expecting the seller's legal pack to come into force. Oh, well, it's that bill stage before. now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Look, absolutely. But on the other side of it, the industry could be proactive here and adopted as if it were law. They could actually proceed on the basis that they look, this is going to be law. So actually, this is what we're this is the best practice that we're operating to and insist that everything that would ensure compliance with the, the legislation around the seller's legal pack is actually adhered to now in advance of it becoming law. And that would that would help if everybody in the industry did that, that would help everybody, including most importantly, the consumers, the people buying and selling. Um, well, we do par- partner with uh, I am sold if we're auctioning a property or bringing a property to auction and looking at the process would say 
that they employ to make sure the legal pack is all set and ready and done up in front. There's nothing wrong with doing that for a private treaty that you know when you have it agreed, you can say to this guy, you know, okay, get in there now and sign a contract there. Yeah. Please and thanks, you know, or, you know, you can you can push it along a lot further and you will. I, 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 I sometimes listen to agents and they say, oh, sale fell through and I'm going, why? And I don't get fall throughs, they're very, very few. And the only time you get a fall through is where people lose the run of themselves. You say, calm down, you know, <laughs> you know, and you won't get fall throughs if you tee them up right. And yeah. Everybody understands what's required from them. Well, look, I, I think the auction model is particularly interesting. And look, here within iProperty Radio, we're huge fans of the I Am Soul team. And it was really interesting. And the last time we had them on the show, um, Patrick Folan shared with us that actually um, uh, almost half of their auction properties end up selling outside of the auction process. and But they've still gone through this due diligence in advance. They have their seller's legal pack, essentially. So... Uh, um, the, you know, they're binding bid and yeah, they're, they're locked absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah. So, look, it, it's a model that we very much want to adopt. So, I suppose, look, you know, what we've spoken about so far has really been around the the home buyers um, who who may be looking to enter or exit the market. But um, in terms of landlords, what has your experience been? Because Port Leash is a funny marketplace. And I know this from years of, of dipping in and out of it myself, that actually, yes, you're in the centre of Ireland. You've got an urban centre, but your catchment area is a hugely rural one, yet one that has been infinitely um, um, a popular amongst commuters and yet affordable enough for investors. So I, I post-crash, I remember Port Leash became a really key destination for buy-to-let investors, particularly those who were looking to buy without a mortgage. So, I mean, what's the rental market like um, in Port Leash at the moment? And I mean, are, are investors buy-to-let investors? I ask I ask every estate agent that I interview, are you are you seeing any new buy-to-let investors coming into the market? No. Um, are you seeing yeah. many leaving? Absolutely. Um that's a mountain of our, of our secondhand sales in the last few years are buy to let and we mar- landlords leaving the market this morning for example in Kilbegan we have um, 77 residential units there we issued notice on 35 of them this morning to quit we're selling landlords out the um it's run its course they're there for 12 years they've done their best there's a golden opportunity there's no engagement from the local authorities to buy it. So we just have to say to, you know, very, very hard thing to do, you know, on a Monday morning is hand out 35 notices to quit, knock on the door. You're, you know, you've got to leave. You've got to find alternative accommodation. These landlords uh, are at their wits end. Well, they're not at their wits end. They've made an investment 12 years ago. It's run its course, we'll say a 10 year plan. Now it's time for them to exit. And uh, the, uh, I shouldn't really say the local authorities seem to think that they're beholden to them to to accommodate um the their tenants and we're saying well if you if you want to just buy it from us you know uh, we're here to sell we're yeah. here to do deal we have a social conscience we want uh, these people to be in that's the last thing we want to do is uh, give tenants notice but if we're um in that position we have to take an instruction um and unfortunately it's a commercial uh, decision and. Uh, an investment run runs this course. As you know, Carl, uh, we're both in the industry a long time that you make a decision on and on 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 
a property. A lot of quick books were made back in the day. But you'll find the shrewder guys or the guys that hang in there made a plan. This guy made a 10-year plan. He ran it for 12 years. Now it's time to exit. That's it. it. It's not, you know, it wasn't a quick book. It was in, have a plan, pension program, run for 12 years. I have a guy um, today saying to me, he has, uh, wants to give me, not give me 800,000. He wants to invest eight or 900,000. I'm going to go and buy the units and then I'll go and, and, and rent them back from him. I'll give him a very good deal, put together a deal that'll stack up in a pension. But I don't want anybody coming to me in 10 years' time when I go to dispose of those assets again. Oh, no, no, you have to hang on to them. They're all occupied. No. But the only thing is, we do know that, that there have been huge changes in terms of landlord and tenancy law. In, in fact, some changes are, are still being touted. So say, for example, the tenant right to purchase. I mean, are, are you what kind of feedback are you getting from your landlord clients about maybe some of the current government um, and the policies that have been introduced? Some of the policies, okay, the policies in the RTB rule changes, some of the policies, this is a tenant in situ, which we were, would say, for for example, I'm just going to go back to the, the, the Kilbegan ones because I'm allowed to talk about them. Uh, we were saying, well, okay, uh, our owner has talked to the minister and he says, well, the, the, should they qualify for the tenant in situ? Uh, yeah, there's money to buy them. But there's no engagement from the local authority. It hasn't filtered all its way down. The local authority is going to say, well, actually, we will engage uh, to buy them. So, well, you know, somebody please uh, ring me phone, answer me emails or or do something um, to make, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is put people out. But, you know, a vacant apartment is worth 30 percent more than a, than an occupied one. And in terms of the 35 notices to quit that, that have been served this week, do you know what proportion of them would be, uh, of those tenancies, will be supported through uh, HAP or some similar all social them. housing? All, 100%. Or maybe bar one or two, um, but they're all HAP. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's 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 not pleasant, but that's them them's the facts. So, and I I appreciate that you're trying to make contact with the local authority here, and that you would see them as a preferred buyer. But the reality is, if they don't engage, you can't do that, and you have a job to do in order to sell uh, the apartments. So, will you be looking at a block purchase? Absolutely. I there's seventy seven there. I sell them in lots or in in one block and three or four lots would probably be ideal but um sell them i will that's my instruction that's what the psra agreement is to do and uh off you go and sell them and um these guys don't take uh well i can't do it as an as an excuse it's going to happen they're going to be sold and and the other point they'll make is they're going to be sold for, I would say, about 60% of what it would cost to build them. So I'm going to go, oh, nobody taking my hand off me. You know, they're, it's a golden opportunity. It's done well for, for my client for the last 12 years. It's done okay. But when, when that cycle is over, you can't, I can't, he said, you know, when you, when you have them for 12 years and you're saying, well, we're going to get out in 10, we have 12 done now, we're, we're okay. Um, but they, they've got to go and that's it. Um, Clement, you might give us some insight into into the rental market there in Port Leash because I know uh, Clement Heron Real Estate also deals with, uh, you also have a lettings department. So say we know that 35 new people or families are going to be looking for accommodation in the Port Leash area. Are they likely to find it? They're going to get it very difficult to find it. Um, 
unless you have a house that's coming up to the market that's never been rented before and doesn't follow on uh, fall into the RPZ. If a house comes empty that's rented out already, and if it, if it's at a low rent, the landlord is just been penalised for being a nice guy for the, the last few years and having a really good tenant, and he's not allowed to charge the full market rent. Full market rent for a three bedroom semi port lease is about sixteen hundred a month. That's what people are willing to pay. But if you have a restriction called the RPZ on, on that rent and he's been down at eight or nine hundred and he's just gone. Well, so. Let's talk about the rent pressure zone then in relation to this particular um this particular set of apartments that you have for sale, if we can. Are these ones that would be restricted under maybe a, a low a low rent? No, they're not too bad that way insofar as we've invoked a rent increases just a week before the RPZ fell on the 30th of November. So we were we got under the wire, but we didn't see it coming. Um, we genuinely didn't see that uh, Kilbegan would ever be a rental pressure zone. And we're kind of, we were kind of shocked. And uh, we said, Ooh, that was close, you know, but we, we, we reviewed our rents, we're on leases there. So yeah, we'll do you know, it, it's not a popular opinion, but um, I actually think, well, the rent pressure zones are problematic. I think that's well accepted across the industry. But what's not a popular opinion is to say, actually, at this point, the entire country should be covered because actually it's causing more problems than not having so much of the country covered and and not all. Because actually what we at this point, we shouldn't. Uh, I don't think rent pressure zones are the right tool for us to be using, but because they are the current tool, they should apply equally to every landlord. Uh, and that's something that we found because the, the rental trends that we've been following and, and we try to look at regional, particularly rural areas up and down the country. And that's where we're seeing these massively disproportionate increases. I mean, you know, where you're not recording 15 percent increases, you're recording 65 percent increases. Yeah. yeah. So that's a real problem. It is, and it, it it's leveling it out. The, the difficulty that I have really with the rental pressure zone or the RTB is if you look at the, we say, establishment of the RTB in around 2011 uh, to date, there's been 116 rule changes. Um, that's the number of times they've changed the rules and moved the goals. That's called, uh, when I was a kid in school, making it up as you go along. You know, oh, oh, sorry, can you... Blaster. Clement, you know, can you repeat that stat there? So there's been 116 rule changes. Rule changes in, uh, in the RTB since they are established. They've changed the rules that many times. We have one last year now. Ashley's here in the office just keeping an eye. And I said, no, no, Clement, you're not allowed to do that anymore. It's now 28 days. It used to be, I said, it was seven days. No, no, it's gone from 14. Now it's 28. Well, the fine for this is now this. You know, they're changing all the time. The yeah. rules are like... As somebody said to me, he said, well, I'm going to go and get my solicitor to have a look at that. And I said, you're wasting your time. Uh, actually, in our office, is better up on those rules on what's happening there on a daily basis that you have to look at them every day and say, what exactly are the rules now? Because I give yeah. uh, one of the landlords a piece of advice and uh, they came back into the office and related it. Uh, and she said, <clears throat> you're wrong, Clement. I says it's rent arrears. It's you know it's fourteen days. No, she says not fourteen days. Now twenty eight days. It's 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 changing. It's changed <clears throat> one hundred and fifteen times in the last count with the number of rule changes. Well, if you as a professional in the industry whose livelihood depends on knowing this can struggle to keep up to date, imagine what that's like for the individual landlord. And we know from the RTB's own data that 
uh, 90% of, of uh, the landlords registered own fewer than two properties and the vast majority only own one. But I mean, th- so we're talking about uh, individual private land uh, property owners who are not landlords. This is not their day job. You know, they're school mm-hmm. teachers. They're they're exactly right. Know. Yeah. 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 They're, so. And- and, and it's it's difficult for them to to keep on top of it, to keep on top of their taxes. Like now, I would say they used to they used to register your tenant. Your tenant was registered for mm-hmm. four years. Now it has to be registered every year. And you know, you get they, they get these letters. You know, what's what's happened here? You know, but the rules are changing. The RPJ is changing. It's a moving goal. If you see yeah. the goal and you can see exactly, you can kick into it. But when it's moving, it's it's difficult. Joanne, I think the unfairness of that is really compounded um, because of the people who were stuck in that system. And when I say stuck in that system, I don't just mean the tenants. I mean, sometimes the landlords who are stuck in that system. And it feels like every problem we we identify across uh, the housing market comes back to one root cause, which is supply, which stems back into to planning. But in terms of supply, it seems to be I mean, in terms of looking at a solution, you're well immersed in the Port Leash area and I know um, you operate. Actually, what is your catchment area outside of Port Leash? Uh, let's see. Uh, Cork, New York, Arthur, Hork and Glen Amadi have gavel will travel. <laughs> you, you've said that line no. before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm based in Clane and Kildare. We have an, main offices here in Port Leash. There's uh, nine of us in here. And I have uh, I'm buying down as far as Waterford, Carlow, Tullamore, and to Aslone, Kilbegan, uh, all around that Midland area. Do it's a bit more competitive. I used to do a lot of work in Dublin, mm-hmm. and I found that uh, the cost base in there was too high, and the it was more competitive. And um, I just had to decide to, to be a big fish in a small pool or a small fish in a big pool. So I took the latter. Well. To be fair, you're clearly a fast-moving fish that's willing to travel, so that's that's a good thing. And I know the buyer's agency side is something I'm personally very excited about. We're very excited that the National Property Awards 2024 with the Business Post will feature a, a category for buyer's agency for the first time ever, which we're very excited about. So actually, if there's any estate agencies up and down the country who are offering and delivering buyer's agency services, definitely get your, get your uh, application in for those awards. I think it's a real turning point in Ireland that we're recognising this is something that buyers and consumers want. Um, so that's something that we might talk to you about at a later date. But I suppose before we finish up today, um, what's your outlook in terms of, again, you know, as we said at the start, um, your firm is in the fortunate position that you are dealing with three new housing developments. But in terms of the pipeline for for supply in the Port Leash area over the next kind of two years, um, are you seeing a good pipeline of supply that that will actually satisfy the demands of the buyers that you know are sitting waiting? Yeah, I think it. I think it will. It will come. There's some zone plan that some man was planning around, it. and we have some of our builders that have gone on and looking for more sites and doing more planning. So it's not going to be anything crazy but i'd like it to be nice and steady for the next four years that you know okay lads are building they're not going crazy they're buying uh the lads are buying for six, 16 more sites service sites and said right okay we'll do them and then maybe look further afield maybe to buy a, a bit more land land blanket and planet so 
my outlook is is positive. Mm-hmm. I'm forever the optimist anyway that uh, you know that it, it will be okay based on the cost of production that we're still selling second hands for so close or below the cost of production and where the new ones are getting a margin and it's not exactly driving everybody into the market. It's only a builder that really knows what he's doing can get in there and make money, you know, build them and make money because there's a very fine line between making, you know, your 10 or 15% if that's even there for guys, but guys could lose just as quick. Um, look, I, you're absolutely right. It's a fine line. And in fact, just this week in the news, we saw, unfortunately, the insolvency figures for 2023 and what we're seeing is construction figure very heavily into that. So I think you make a good point about knowing your marketplace and knowing your marketplace goes beyond the site and the site specific knowledge. You need to know the pipeline of buyers. You need to know who they are, why they're buying in the area and and where they're getting their money. And what they're willing to pay, and if they're willing to pay enough for these houses, uh, we have to do a feasibility study for our builders, and uh, and they wouldn't be shy about telling you, you're going to stand over this, you know, this feasibility study going to work. I can, can you get this money for me? And uh, we've got to say hand on heart, yeah or no, you're 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 pitching it too high. You're better to walk away. And sometimes the deals that you walk away from, when you tell them to stand back and calm down, um come back and you get rewarded in a few years time and say that was close you know and but our industrial service is flying it so that's that's going well we've got end users uh, building industrial at the minute and that's great you know it's um, that's the one really good thing that Port Leash has going for it is logistically it's so central you have the two motorways you have Cork, mm-hmm. Limerick and Dublin and you're really you know an hour, an hour and a half out of here in a truck you're anywhere and you distribution, you have some of the big um, engineering companies, some of the big waste companies coming to Port Leash and, and spending significant figures and building very significant units and mostly end users that are building the units, mostly end users that are buying the land. And um, that's been really good. And, and renting and um, talking about industrial space, that was uh, the crows were nesting five or six years ago and they're all absolutely flying now. Fantastic. And then final question for today, Clement, um, for any home builders, because we're increasingly hearing from home builders who do find themselves priced out of the greater Dublin, um, greater Dublin area and they're looking for opportunities. But you've said it there. You really have to know what you're doing. You have to know your marketplace. So are there still opportunities for home builders in the Port Leash area? Yeah, there is. There is. So they should they should head into your office. You should come in for a chat. <laughs> well, I hope I hope the coffee's good there at least, Clement. Oh, the coffee's very good up the road there. We went to Chocolate Browns. The last guy that was in here for a meeting said it was excellent. Anyway, <laughs> very good. Listen, thank you so much uh, for for giving us your time and your expertise on the marketplace today. That was Clement Heron of uh, Clement Heron Real Estate. And my thanks to producer Katie Talon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. Also, huge thanks to our show sponsor, daft.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Property Roundup. In the meantime, please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio.